We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, it's the Candlestick Chronicles. You heard it there on the intro. I don't know why I say it every time. It's a Niners podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And we are continuing our roster deep dive today, our depth chart deep dive, whatever you want to call it. We're going to take a look at the tight ends and the fullbacks. We're going to kind of mash that group together. But before we do that, Chris... How'd you beat the Heat today? You know what? I didn't really have to. It wasn't oh, all that bad. You. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very pleasant. Like it was warm, but it wasn't. It wasn't overbearing. I was able to. Uh, I've been rewatching Mad Men because Mad Men is leaving Netflix, I believe, tomorrow. So um, or after tomorrow. So I put in a little bit of work on Mad Men. Had a fan blown on me, even though my room was a little warm. And uh, headphones in. It was good. It was fine. That's great. How about you? I love that. No, it's hotter where you are. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely warmer. Uh, I'm up in the office right now where it gets super hot, so I've got the fan blowing on me, and, and that's helping. But it's cooling down in the evening, which is good. So we're gonna open up the windows and don't have to run the AC all day, which is which is a plus. And you have air conditioning, which is a plus. It's uh, the original air conditioning that came when this house was built, uh, right about the time I was born. Mm, so. Quaint. So we need to get that figured out because it's not awesome. It's not great when you're running your AC and the temperature in the house is going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably. So true. we're 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 gonna we're gonna work on that. But anyways, um, I, I guess we'll get into it. The tight end situation with the Niners is is to me really straightforward. Your your depth chart here is exactly what I have, and. Going into camp, I I don't know how you really have it uh, any other direction. Well, unless you are a big believer in Charlie Warner or Daniel Helm, maybe being better than Ross Dwelly. But other than that, I I don't know that there's a whole lot, like you said, that that there's really up for debate. So my depth chart initially, just jotting it down. It's also mine. Starts with George Kittle. Uh, Ross Dwelly, number two, Charlie Warner, the recent six-round pick, Daniel Helm, undrafted rookie last year, spent most of the year on the practice squad, and then a new undrafted rookie, Chase Harrell from Arkansas. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I, I think the big question I have about the group overall is is just about George Kittle's future and his contract status, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and I think the second most interesting thing uh, – happening with this group right now is is i think what happens with warner um because i i do think i know some people online are really optimistic about him particularly as a six-round pick and and i i think i can see some of that but um you know it's it's going to be a big ask for somebody and 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 i think obviously people think this way because the template is there with george kittle right like right there are draft people like george kittle coming out um, no one expected him to be the best tight end in the league, and obviously he wouldn't have been a fifth-round pick if that were the case. So Warner, similar to Kittle, had um, not not great numbers from a production standpoint in the passing game, but was a really good blocker um, and a pretty good athlete. Kittle's obviously a, a much better athlete, um, but I think there is a little bit of intriguing upside there for Warner. Uh, just given the athleticism, given that he already has the blocking thing down, and, and I think Kyle Shanahan is good enough as a play caller and, and offensive designer to uh, to be able to get guys open in space where it's not necess- they're not necessarily reliant on um, their own playmaking or their own route running or whatever. If they just run the play correctly and everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do, guys can spring open, and that's, I think, a real staple of what Shanahan does offensively. So maybe there is a little bit more upside to Charlie Warner than you would think with a conventional or a normal six-round pick. Um, but other than that, like, this this is not the most interesting, uh, intriguing position on, on the 49ers roster this offseason, just in terms of dramatics and storylines. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to watch because I think you're right. Like, like I said, going into camp, I think the order you have it is is the way it has to go. But it wouldn't surprise me if Warner overtakes Dwelly and maybe plays a little bit more than Dwelly did last year. But the interesting thing about, about the 49ers is what they did this offseason and, and I guess what they didn't do. So when it surfaced that they pursued Austin Hooper in free agency, I thought that was that was interesting and maybe signaled that they would target a tight end relatively high in the draft. 
And then we saw them do what they do in the draft and, and wait until the sixth round. But I, I, I thought the Austin Hooper report, like I said, was interesting because it wasn't like Hooper was some under-the-radar free agent who they were going to get for $10 million in two years. Right. Uh, he was going to get top-of-the-market money. And the fact the Niners were even in the running for that I think shows either something they're looking at with Kittle long-term or that they want to get a really high-quality number two behind him. And I just don't see that on their roster uh, unless they're super big believers in Charlie Werner, which I'm I'm not seeing it. You know, that is a really good point that I hadn't thought about very much until you just said it, the idea that um, if you get Austin Hooper, then are you more or less likely to sign George Kittle to what he is probably worth? And the answer is probably no. So your interest in Austin Hooper at least signals, to me anyway, that you're you're trying to gain some sort of leverage over George Kittle in these contract talks, or you're at least trying to uh, find a cheaper an alternative if things to, if things go south with these contract talks, right? Well, so, like, I, initially when I, w- when I read the Austin Hooper stuff, the first thought in my mind was, well, maybe they're, maybe they're not going to get a receiver in the first round of this draft, and they're going to make up for uh, they're going to make up for that by getting a tight end who could, who could be a real viable threat in the passing game. And, and given how much Kyle Shanahan loves his big personnel packages, you could absolutely see the 49ers doing something like that. Like if they waited till, um, you know, maybe they traded into the third round or something to take a receiver after going cornerback or whatever, another position in, in the first round, just neglecting the, that receiver spot in round one and not taking Brandon Ayuk, then maybe you say, okay, we have George Kittle, Austin Hooper, Debo Samuel, Pettis, whoever is that receiver, and that's going to be enough for us to get the upgrade we need in the passing game that a, a traditional receiver would have. But now that you say that about Hooper, it is really interesting because I think, look, I, I mean, we can we can shift into the conversation right now. But yeah, it, let, yeah, just do that. Okay, so, I mean, I think the deal is going to happen. I think both sides want the deal to happen. But I right. think it's very clear that the Niners are leery of going above a certain level, or else maybe this deal would have gotten done. And George Kittle's agent wouldn't be, you know, doing the do, doing, you know, he went on Matt Mayoko's podcast and he's been speaking publicly. And I think he's doing that because they've hit a snag and the, the agent going public. And this is just me uh, speculating, but the agent right. going public signals to me that there's a snag and, and he's trying to apply a little bit of pressure. And maybe that comes from from public pressure. But I think the, the most important thing that um that needs to be talked about, which maybe isn't getting talked about enough with the George Kittle stuff is just what's happening with the pandemic and the potential massive loss in revenue. The league could be going through next year, this upcoming season, if there aren't fans in the seats because of COVID-19. And I think the 49ers looking at, you know, somewhere between 40 million in cap space next year, they might end up being over the cap. If the cap goes down by, you know, 50 or 60 or whatever, some people, some people think it, the there could be that much of a loss in terms of the salary cap allotment. 
So right. if that's what you're looking at, then you can't give away a contract to somebody like George Kittle that's going to pay him a ton of money up front or you know, pay him $20 million in addition to the contracts you already have. Um, right. So I think the 49ers are... You know they're a team that is willing to pay. Like they they'll overpay some guys. They probably right. overpaid D Ford. They definitely overpaid Quan Alexander. Um, they probably uh, Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon they overpaid for. Although uh, I mean I I I'm more um, that j- here I'm more I, okay with the McKinnon thing than than like Usechek. I guess you could say they overpaid for Usechek. But like the point is, is that it's odd. I, I think the 49ers under normal circumstances probably would have gotten this deal done already at the asking price like, or at a reasonable rate for Kittle. But I think the main reason why it hasn't happened yet is because the team is bracing for a significant loss in revenue next season. And uh, and maybe they're just holding tight to see what's going to happen so they don't have to pay Kittle more more than they feasibly could at this moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I... I do think a deal gets done because it's, I, we said it, we, we did a whole long podcast about this, so I don't want to spend all night on this, but um, if you're not paying George Kittle, who are you paying? Right. That's that's what it comes down to for me. Right. Like, if you're letting Kittle walk over a million or two million dollars, and I understand that's a lot of money, especially when you're dealing with a hard salary cap, but like... Overpay if you're gonna overpay somebody, overpay for a guy who you build your offense around. Like that, that that's right. So that that's why I'm I'm confident a deal is gonna get done. It may it may for all the reasons you just said get delayed a little bit. Uh, they may have to throw a franchise tag on him next off season to to facilitate a long term deal. But uh, I, I I would bet a significant amount of money a deal gets done. Unless so, there's some injury that we don't know about or something that hasn't come to light yet that the team knows about, but I, I don't foresee that happening. So overthecap.com right now has the 49ers projected at 49, basically 49.8 million in cap space in 2021 based based on initial projections. But all of that cap space could go away if the revenue right. impacts things um, like some people fear it might. So... You look at the 49ers free agent list, say they do have 50 million. I mean, if you're talking about Kittle and Trent Williams getting new contracts, um, you know, maybe Jarek McKinnon gets a new contract. He's only signed for one more year. Richard Sherman's only signed for one more year. All of their cornerbacks. All, all of the cornerbacks, <laughs> including K1 Williams, who you probably want to bring back. Um, you just look at the roster, and Fred Warner is going to be up for a new contract at that point, too. You look at the roster and say, oh, 49 million, that's a lot of money. Well, that's best case scenario is 49 million, first of all, um, because of the potential revenue hits it, that the league could take. And then, like, you look at Kittle and Williams, that's that's almost all of the space, you know, unless you get creative with the deal. And that's before Juszczyk, before Sherman, before Akella Witherspoon, Kwan Williams. Um, there are a lot of players who are going to need new contracts. I'm pulling the list up right now. That was just off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we take a quick break and, uh, we'll, we'll answer some other questions we have about the 49ers, uh, tight ends. 
There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so do you have anything else on the Kittle contract or can we move on? Uh, I think, What do you want to make predictions for, for what you think the deal is? Yeah, let me do some math real quick. Okay. What do you think? Uh, I think I I texted the group chat. I said earlier this week or over the weekend. I think I said four years, seventy four million with forty guaranteed. So that's seventeen and a half million uh, average per year. Um, that's more than two full seasons guaranteed. I think it's a four year deal, not five, because the 49ers are going to be worried about um, potential injury issues with Kittle. And uh, I think you know, is that seven? No. I gotta make sure this math is right. That so, dude, that's why you went first because eighteen I was doing and a half. So work. eighteen and a half million a year. Jeez. Um, I think he. I think he should. I think he deserves and should get more per year than Eric Armstead and D Ford got. Um, Interesting. And you know, we'll see what happens with Trent Williams. I'm, I'm guessing Trent Williams is going to ask. Uh, his next contract is going to come in between nineteen and twenty-one million a year which is a ton but it might be worth it if he ends up being the best left tackle in the league again right um but for kittle yeah four years 74 million 18 and a half a year uh it'll make him i believe the 49ers second highest paid player depending on what happens with trent williams like i said and uh most of the two years guaranteed that's my guess so i have uh i also have four years it's 66 million but i think something like 50 guaranteed um when you look at the left tackle market, Anthony Costanzo for the Colts is making 16 and a half a year. Um, and then Laramie Tunsil, the highest paid left tackle, is getting $50 million a year. And people have said that Kittle's such a good blocker that you have to put him up against a left tackle type contract. So that's that. And then when you look at receivers, Mike Evans is the seventh highest paid receiver by AAV, average annual value. Uh, and he is at 16 and a half per. Uh, he got 55 million guaranteed, uh, total guaranteed. So I think 66 over four years with 50 for Kittle. That's 16 and a half a year. That puts him right in that range of of a top 10 receiver and a and a, and a top left tackle. And that that I think is is pretty good value for him. All right. Uh, Market, dude. Uh- other questions. Other questions about the tight end group. Do you think George Kittle and his agent will walk in to their next negotiating meeting? Because I imagine they all walk into a, a conference room or a Zoom or whatever. <laughs> and they are going to play that clip and say, this is what Candlestick Chronicles had to say. Yeah, and I think they, they'll do that. And yeah. they'll probably take my article from the Sacramento Bee that I wrote about this very same subject, what, like a month ago. Um, and probably slam that down on John Lynch's desk. Because yeah. I made the case that he deserves email. to get paid like a number one receiver because 
um, of how valuable he is. He, he's the 49ers leading receiver. Sure. And um, the PFF stat yards per route run, he led the league by a very comfortable mar- margin. So you can make yeah. the case that he's the most efficient pass catcher in the league. Um, so yeah, if I if if I were Kittle's agent, I'm trying to get 18 million a year. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, last question on the tight ends: Do you think Jalen Hurd is going to be? He might not get rostered as a tight end, but do you think there's a chance he plays that spot? It's a, it's an impossible question for me to answer because I haven't seen Jalen Hurd play football since last August. Cool, glad I asked. Next thing, <laughs> but, but to spe- like if I'm speculating, I mean, I, I, so I think there's a chance, a really good chance that Jalen Hurd will do some tight end stuff, right? Like I don't think he's gonna play every snap as a tight end, but I think he's going to be asked to do a lot of the George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk stuff. Now, how much of, how much of the pie is that, you know, how much of his workload is that going to be? I don't know. I would think it's going to be a very small percentage because in essence, you're asking a, a former running back who recently switched to receiver, who's still learning receiver to switch positions again a second season in the NFL after not playing his first season. You're talking about three position switches over a four-year span and the guy's dealing with a back injury. So you're asking a lot of him. Because, and obviously tight end is a more physically demanding position than receiver because uh, you're going to be blocking defensive ends and linebackers, um, right. not cornerbacks. So um, I think he'll do some tight end stuff. I don't think he'll be fully integrated as a tight end. I think Kyle Shanahan wants him to learn receiver first. Sure. And then once he does that and proves he can play receiver, then you might see him do um, more of the other stuff. But like I, like I've said a bunch of times, and you know this isn't a novel thought. Other people have said it, but Kyle Shanahan likes positionless football so much that he asks guys to line up all over the place, and Hurd could certainly be one of those guys that lines up all over the place. All right, final roster. Uh, at tight end, uh, I think George Kittle makes it. Oh, you you think he makes it? Okay. Yeah, I'm I writing think George that down. Kittle. Yeah, market racket. I think George Kittle makes June the team. June nine. Yeah, June nine. Eight eight fifty Pacific. Twenty. Yeah, eight fifty Pacific. Eleven okay, fifty Eastern. PM. George Kittle makes. Team. Okay. Fifty three man roster. Okay. Uh, not saying he'll be active, but I just think he's gonna play. Uh, Russ Dwelly and Charlie Warner, I, I, I'm sticking with three for now because I don't know if Daniel Helm or Chase Harrell will will be be good enough to kind of make the team in play, yeah. and when you have a guy like Kyle Uzcheck who can who can eat some snaps at tight end, I I I just I I think they go with three. Yeah, I, I think they go with three. Remember that this, the active roster can have 55 players on it this year. Right. Um, so maybe one of the back-end spots is, is a fourth tight end because the 49ers had four tight ends late in the year last year. Um, right. I think in, most of that was, was Kittle insurance, and maybe the Niners really like the versatility of Helm, who, like you said, can, can also play fullback. Um, I'm going to go three. I think it's Kittle, Dwelly, and Warner. We really haven't talked about Dwelly at all. Um, to me, Dwelly is a pass catcher, and he can block, but I would not call him a good blocker. 
uh, by any means. So I think he is a little bit limited in terms of how much he'll play because I don't know if Kyle Shanahan um, has a ton of, of plays designed for a second tight end who isn't a great blocker. And maybe that's the avenue where Warner gets more playing time. But, um, I mean, Dwelly had a nice season. 15 catches on 22 targets. Really is like the fourth tight end, but sort of ascended as, as training camp went on. Um, over Garrett Selleck and Levine Toilolo. Selleck was dealing with injuries, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I think Dwelly can be a nice pass-catching number two. But because of Warner being potentially such a better blocker, I think uh, I think there's a chance that Warner could supplant him in terms of just playing time. I could see that. So you you also think Kittle makes it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think Kittle makes the team. Cool, cool. Uh, he let's... was um we, we he was in my number <laughs> one player. Bit. I like this bit. Well, <laughs> when I ranked the 49ers um, top fifteen players a, a couple weeks ago, uh, it feels like two two years ago now. But um, Kittle was number one for me. It's a good take. Strong take. He was also Pro Football Focus's highest-graded player last year. Had the highest-graded season ever for a tight end since Pro Football Focus started tracking. So, George Kittle, good player. Uh, that is the official Candlestick Chronicles take. You guys can all borrow it. <laughs> it's uh, one of those over. things where when you're on your Zoom meetings or uh, your Zoom happy hours, you can drop that little nugget in that you yeah. heard on Candlestick Chronicles. Yeah, Kittle's going to make the squad. You don't even have to like credit Candlestick Chronicles like to make yourself sound smarter. You just right. say, like, I think Kittle makes for. it. Yeah. So you guys don't have to attribute that to us. If you put it in writing, be sure to be sure to, you know, tag Chris and I and credit us then. But in your in your little Zoom meeting or, or if you're back at work, you know, talking around the water cooler with your mask on, you can you can drop it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh let's let's take a look at the fullbacks just real quick because I don't think there's a ton of question at that position and, and it's important enough that we need to talk about it. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is the guy there. Josh Hokett was an undrafted free agent out of Fresno State. Lorenzo Neal, also of Fresno State, very high on him, if you can believe that. Uh, I, I think Juszczyk winds up being the only fullback rostered, and uh, he's going to do what Kyle Juszczyk does. Contract your Juszczyk. Could be a big one. Um. So... He signed for four years, $21 million. Everybody thought that it was a crazy contract. Based on how good the 49ers offense was and is, um, I think it's fair to say it's not a crazy contract anymore with the benefit of hindsight. I didn't. Yeah. I never thought it was a crazy contract, but I think uh, last year proved that it's certainly not a crazy contract. Well, the proper way to evaluate Juszczyk's contract, and Chris, you and I have talked about this a lot off the pod, and we might have even talked about it on the pod before, but the proper way to view Juszczyk's contract is not through the scope of the rest of the league's tight ends, because he's so much more important than that. The rest of the league's fullbacks. The rest of the league's fullbacks, right. Yeah. You, you have to look at him uh, kind of up against tight ends, because he's right. that's really more... Uh, applicable to kind of what he does. Yeah, he plays fullback, but he splits up out wide. He lines up as a tight end. So when you stack his contract up against the rest of the tight ends, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more valuable. And given what he does for the Niners offense, like you pay the players who are going to make your team better. And so that's what they did. His cap numbers, uh, I'll just go through the four years of his contract. 3.75 in year one, 4.45, 5.95, He's going to make 6.7 this year. Um, 
I think people talk about Juszczyk's contract like he makes $20 million a year. Right. Because they, they do compare his contract to other people. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a $21 million deal. It's, hey, do, it's you, not... do you know what hasn't happened? The 49ers haven't gone, hey, we're going to re-sign Buckner, Armstead, and War... Oh, the Juszczyk contract. <laughs> Shoot. Like, that's just that, that hasn't happened. Right. And you look at like other tight end contracts, Kyle Juszczyk's getting paid basically in the neighborhood of Jesse James, Blake Jarwin, Vance McDonald, um, Nick Boyle, Eric Ebron. Like, he's Juszczyk's a better player than those guys. He doesn't play tight end, but he should get paid probably like a number two tight end because I think that's right around where his value is. And he just happens to be a really good player a really good fullback. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think it'll, I don't think Uzcheck's contract has uh, has hurt the Niners at all. Strong does, take. Uzcheck's contract didn't hurt the Niners. George Kittle's making the team. Does Hoke the bank, folks? Does Hokit have a shot? D- no, probably not okay. because I think I think when you talk about a guy like Daniel Helm who played some fullback in the preseason last year, Ross Duelli played that spot. Last year, when Juszczyk was out, George Kittle can fill in a little bit there, even though I don't think they they really want him to. Uh, I I just I don't think they're gonna waste a roster spot on a second fullback. He might make the practice squad and, and hang out there, but I, I don't foresee him making the team. So you don't see this as a Moran Norris Bruce Miller situation. Uh, okay, I know you're joking, but <laughs> let's t- <laughs> listen to the old rush if you haven't, folks. Uh, that's also on this feed. If if you want to look, I'm just saying the Niners rostered Moran Norris and Bruce Miller in 2011, and they went to the NFC Championship game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all. I'm you, find the lie. Yeah, and they they didn't lose because of their fullback situation. Yeah, man, this is I think we're figuring this out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Speaking of Old Rush, we've got one of those coming up later in the week. We're watching the 49ers and Giants from week, I think it's 8? 9? Week 9, 2011? Sure. It doesn't matter what week it is, but the Niners played the Giants and had a, had a pretty epic game in, in what turned out to be an NFC Championship game preview. So well, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Sorry guys. We're gonna we're gonna rewatch that one. Not the NFC Championship game, but the regular season matchup between those teams. And those have been a lot of fun for us to do. We've gotten some pretty positive feedback on it. So if you haven't listened yet, make sure to check that out. That should drop on Friday. And Chris, you got anything else? I do not. Great. Uh, I didn't want I'm... to leave you hanging where like we hung up and you did the thing where you're like, ah, oh, I wanted to get this. <laughs> no, no I'm good. I'm looking forward to that Giants game. I've Me never too. watched the bro- the broadcast of it because I was there. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm curious to see what, what gems are going to be unearthed. I feel like the Giants have a lot of guys where I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. I, you know, it's it's just a bunch of guys that I've forgotten about who helped win a Super Bowl. But, right. all right. Nine and seven cigar. Super Bowl winner. We're out of here. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.